Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to today's special St. Patrick's Day Upfront. You might be wondering how we can give Upfront a St. Patrick's Day spin. Well, to mark the occasion, I couldn't resist the chance to speak to a member of the Republic of Ireland squad who are heading down under this summer and representing Ireland women in our first ever major tournament. And who better to speak to than Birmingham City's Louise Quinn, who's been in the national setup since 2008. Hope you enjoy it. Well, Louise Quinn, welcome to the pod. Cade me the fulture. Oh, Tommy, go mock out of mock us. <laughs> we will teach, we'll teach our, our yeah. listeners uh, a couple of fuckle now for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, um, don't test don't me worry, too guys. much now. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll leave the Irish there now, don't worry. Yeah. Um, the Irish language anyway, but not the Irishness, because this pod, mm. for St. Patrick's Day, happy St. Patrick's Day. Um, it's it's going to be a good one, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, obviously we're speaking a few days before the event. How how would you normally celebrate it? Are you going to get to celebrate it this year? Um, for us, I just think we'll be we'll be back in the training ground. So yeah, we like to kind of bring a nice Irish feel where we can. Um, I feel like Lucy Quinn has supplied some sort of Irish goods um, or tattoos or something. Um, and yeah, and obviously just wear a bit of green. But yeah, in, in general, I just think it'll be yeah, just kind of celebrating the day especially kind of on yeah on uh on socials and just yeah just always being proud of of where we where we come from now we're going to get on to the world cup but for our, our listeners benefit i want them to get an idea of just how much this irish team has you know taken hold of the country back home because on st patrick's day i'm right in thinking the team has been asked to to kind of lead the st patrick's day parade in dublin which is a massive like such a big honor mm. Um, tell tell the tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, so the parade will take you know uh, go ahead on the on the Friday, but which is obviously tough for you know for a lot of us that are over here in England as that's you know most people's training day, unfortunately. So, yeah, personally, I won't be able to be there. Which as is, it's it's like it's a huge event and a huge honor, and so we're we're absolutely good at that. It's you know, just hasn't fallen on the, you know, the right day for us. Thursday, I'd say, you know, the entire team would have been there if, if that was the case. But yeah, for us, it's, um, it's everything you've, you've watched when you're growing up as a kid, either watched it on TV or headed into, you know, your local parade or the main one in Dublin. Um, you know, it was a, it was a massive day out. It's what it's, it's what it's all about. It's the it's the atmosphere. It's the creativity. It's the it's the pride. Um, yeah. So for the team to kind of be able to at least be you know marshals and there'll be you know a, a few of the girls there for sure. Diane, Vera, you know I'm sure another few you know will hopefully be able to pop along. But 
it's uh yeah it's it's a it's a huge honor it really is so between that and the late late toy show which um for our listeners benefit is a cultural phenomenon in ireland that happens and let's see if i can describe this succinctly Mm -hmm. it happens once a year on a on a, a late show talk show that we have every friday and the last friday of every november they bring in all the latest toys and gadgets and they bring on kid guests who basically demonstrate all of these toys and uh, all the family and, and people in the audience, they dress up and they go away with, it's one of these one for everyone in the audience type gigs and uh, everyone goes away with all sorts at the end of the night. And I tell you what, as a kid, you grow up watching it. As an adult, I don't know about you, but I still watch it. Yeah. For you guys to actually be guests on that, like it's hard to say now between that and the parade, like that's huge. Like this team has like seriously captured the nation when, when you look at the things that you're being invited to. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, I, I was nervous going on the Late Late Toy Show. That was, we were so excited, you know, going up, we kind of had to sneak into the RT studios. Um, they didn't know that, you know, some of the players were, were coming along to, you know, to surprise this young girl. And, but for us, this was, this is the ultimate, that's the dream. Um, you know, I can't really pick and choose, but obviously at the moment, the Late Late Toy Show is, is top right now. After qualifying for the World Cup, the Late Late Toy Show was next um, in line of my achievements. Um, and it was, we were so excited, so nervous. And we were, you know, waiting in the wings to, to go on the stage. And it's all, you know, they really have to turn over the show really, really quickly. You know, it's, it's run so well, but it's kind of organized chaos as well, because it's a, it's a show filled with kids also. And that's, you know, could be a disaster and potential adults and guests could also be a disaster. So we were waiting in the wings and there was me, Anya and Jamie Finn. And yeah, we were we were waiting to go on. We got we were told that we were going to be the first players on the stage. But then, you know, Ryan Tuberty started calling out the names and we weren't there. So we like turned around to one and like I was like, that's that's not us. That's not me. And she was like, right, 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 it's okay. And then he called out the next group. And I was like, I was like, that's still not us. And we were like, if we don't get called on. You're bursting onto the stage. Yeah. I was like, I'm going on regardless. I am going on regardless. Because it was already like 11 o'clock at night at this stage. So we just, yeah. But then finally, Ryan called our names out to to walk on stage and, and surprise this young girl. And it was... It was. It was. It was just brilliant to to be in the studio, to be on the stage, to actually see what it was like in person. I was very jealous. But my my first question was going to be about the impact of qualifying for the World Cup and how and the impact it's had in Ireland. And I think culturally, there's two really good examples of the, the breakthrough and impact that the team has had. But for that girl that you surprised, they they're sending her to Australia, aren't they? Her and her family, and she's going to be going to some of the games. So like, you've got fans like that now that are desperate to be watching and to be following you guys so like have you seen kind of any I guess anecdotally any of those those changes in terms of next generation kind of thing yeah I just think you're you're seeing it constantly um I was actually even just looking um at a at a tweet there in the last hour and I just retweeted it that's you know so obviously there was a you know a massive um tragedy in Creaselock in um in Donegal where there was that, you know, um, gas explosion, and you know, it was really, really unfortunate that, yeah, many people were injured and unfortunately passed away. But I saw this tweet, and they they started um, just kind of like a girls' 
girls football training or a girls team and you know this town is is tiny you know really really small and apparently from the age of 5 to 15 year olds they already have 65 girls that have that have come and that's that's every week and you know for for us you know it that was such a a poignant moment but obviously when Amber scored that goal, you know, we were wearing black armbands for Creaselock, for the people there. And a Donegal woman, you know, scored the winner. It's it's given me goosebumps already. But, you know, and we, we celebrated that. And that was part of her celebration. She started that. It was, you know, it was it was meant to be. And, yeah, to kind of see now that that also that they've they've started that, it's brought a community together even more, that, that football can do it, that, you know, I've no doubt that, you know, Amber Barrett is, is their hero. Um, and for me, that's, and I literally only saw that an hour ago and, and it was, it was amazing. It was incredible to, to see that and to see, you know, what sort of impact, um, you know, you know, representing your country and, and winning football games and getting a world cup, what it can do for people. And it really can, um, can lift spirits. Um, I'll take you back to that night actually, because, you know, I, I remember it very, very clearly um, and even describing it there, like the goosebumps you get. Is it, can you even describe that moment? Never mind, like, because there were so many moments in it. You know, there was, it, there was the penalty save. Um, you know, there's getting, there was clearing the, the ball being cleared off the line at half, just before half time. The goal going in, the final whistle. It must have been a roller coaster. Yeah, it, it had everything. And it was, I suppose for me, Personally, I did feel this just just massively confident going into the game, and of course, leading up to it, there were nerves. But I don't know; it just things just seemed to be going right, um, you know. And I think we just even for us, it was we started the game really well, and you know, and for us, starting the game really well was you know obviously being defensively solid, but like winning fifty fifty challenges, breaking transition, and getting forwards, you know, even straight from the start. You know, Casey. Casey was terrorising. You know, their fullbacks. I think it was, you know, Lisa at the time, and they obviously know each other. But just it is just small moments like that. Everyone was just winning their their individual battles, and we were working really well. We were moving across the pitch really well. When we had the chances to, you know, to get forward, we did. We were getting you know, plenty of Megan Campbell's throw-ins, um, you know, and and you know, th- those sort of things are important to us and and relax you into a game. Um, you know, so even when there was the penalty, um, again, I still had this kind of like, right, you know, Courtney can save this, but also penalties are penalties. It's a, you know, it's a real toss of the coin sometimes. But I was like, if we go one nil down, we'll be okay. I just felt like I was like, this will be okay. But yeah, the few minutes before we arrived at the stadium, Casey was saying that Courtney was, you know, was watching penalties being taken by Scottish players and obviously Caroline Weir would have been one of them you know and that's that was five minutes before we arrived into the stadium for the game so you know everyone just did their their little bit and um, and just to make sure that they were as totally prepared as, as they could be um, you know and, and something again it just kind of showed and we you know we watched the the video clip back when we were going over it and watch the penalty save but the you know as soon as it was kicked and saved 
there was 10 Irish people around the ball to make sure that we were following in no matter what happened. You know, and it just showed that we were so prepared. I think there was potentially one or two Scottish players in the box at the time. And, you know, it's, it's those little moments that you're like, yeah, do you know what? Courtney's going to save it. We're going to make sure no one else gets this rebound. Um, and it was, you know, it was actually a brilliant video to watch just to show how, how ready we are, how, how much we had that confidence in Courtney that she was going to save us. And it was like the whistle went and my, my body just collapsed for a couple of seconds. Like I did just fall to my knees. Um, but then, you know, was back up in, in a second and, yeah, Heather Payne comes running towards me and just, you know, absolutely leaps on me and, and we just start running around like my <laughs> things. And yeah, it was, yeah. it's only sometimes when you look back at like, you know, the pictures that you, you know, that you've taken and videos as well. You had a brilliant one of some of the celebrations and there's one where Claire Reardon just runs directly across the camera, but she's like lost and yeah. she's, she's hit her top speed. Like I hope she had her GPS on because she absolutely was wrap it down the line just celebrating and the girls were you know if they were coming off the bench were you know doing a John Terry and taking off their their warm-up tops so they could be in the jersey and you know it was it was just looking back on those moments as well there there are a lot of the little things that you don't see but were just so joyous. In terms of that qualification campaign, um, because it, a lot of the time, especially the last game, what what kind of knockout stage you went into, uh, the Scotland game, like just a win wasn't enough. Like there were so many other factors that it almost felt a bit like destiny. Um, maybe that's being cheesy, but that's what it felt like um, from the outside. But as a, a squad going through those games together and that qualification together, that must have really bonded you. Yeah, it was... It was kind of like that we, you know, everything just fell into place at the right time. Um, you know, the yeah, the qualification process, if you haven't finished as a, you know, in first place in your group is extremely, extremely difficult and complicated and, you know, probably now the most complicated system they've they've ever created, to be honest. Um, and, you know, for us, it was then, the mindset was... <sighs> just go win our games and then see where it takes us. Just put it in, in our hands. And then, yeah. And then you need, yeah, you need luck and you need, um, you know, other teams results to go, to go your way and goal difference and, um, everything for, you know, for the likes of then Portugal to beat Iceland, you know, which, which was potent like, you know, potentially unexpected, as Iceland were ranked as a as a top seed, um, again that just saved us another another round of um, of playoff games and and it just all seemed to work out and obviously the game was played the same day as ours but a couple of hours earlier, so you know so at halftime we actually knew that Portugal had beaten Iceland, which I think yeah Vera said it to me after she was like did you actually she was she just said she was like did, did you actually want me to tell you I didn't really know what to do and I was like I was like for me personally it was it was perfect I you know what I mean it it made that last you know when we 
scored in, was it maybe the 76 minutes or so, like that last 15, 20 minutes just gave you that extra fire, just, you know, pushed through. Absolutely, there was no hesitation in anything that we that we were doing. Um, you know, so it was, yeah, to have just everything fall in place. Yeah, I'll, I'll use, I would use the word destiny as well. You're dead right. It was, uh, it, it felt like it was just meant to be. I, because I, I was watching it. Um, there was a few of the photographers there, the guys who do all your games back in Ireland as well, and it was really nice to be watching it with people who were as invested as I was. Like, because a lot of the time you you've got a lot of like professional photographers there who have been sent by an agency, and you know they enjoy their job, but they're not that fussed one way or the other, right? But like these guys were were proper. We were all so invested. And it just, it upped the levels, like the emotion levels, just watching it as well. Um, it just made it so much better. But um, I'm right thinking you've been involved, you're involved in the, the last kind of major tournament playoff that Ireland were in, um, which ended in a, a 3-0 defeat. Yes. What, like, what was different this time around, other than maybe the players? So yeah, I think over the, over the two legs, it maybe finished 4-1. So I think it was 1-1 in the home leg, and then I think 3-0 away um, in Iceland. And yeah, so that was, yeah, that was 2008, yeah. um, 2008, 2009. And uh, yeah, I suppose kind of, and at that stage that was for, yeah, it was for the Euros. And um, for me, uh, yeah, I was just so kind of fresh in the squad. I probably just didn't realise maybe how big it was. You know what I mean? But everything to me, even being in, the Irish squad was 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 massive enough and was already you know <laughs> felt like a lot of pressure so probably the less I knew about it the better to be honest because um yeah I think the nerves just would have taken over but to kind of be in the dressing room with such you know trailblazers and legends of the you know legend of the game and maybe you know I you obviously know of some of it while you're in there and you know the top players but it's kind of like once maybe yet yeah, once they're gone and you look back you're like wow you know, the amount that they have done for this team, for the country, um, to make sure that, you know, we're we they're putting us in a in a great position to to push forward and just also just women to look up to, which was you know, which was sometimes hard at the time. There wasn't it wasn't as visible as this as it is now. But to kind of be then around you know, those sort of people was um massively motivating. Um but yeah it was it was really difficult because yeah the conditions were were absolutely brutal for that Iceland game um you know there would never be a game played on it again or I suppose unfortunately it did happen this season with Liverpool and Chelsea I think wasn't it where it looked like they yes, were playing yeah. on an ice rink and I can tell you it was exactly like that like when you talk about the controllables and the uncontrollables things like a dangerous pitch shouldn't be an uncontrollable that's something that you would think is just going to be sorted out for you and you don't have to worry about but like you say 2008 it's and 2022 you finally qualified did you think did you think it would take this long or I don't know is it almost like better that way that you've kind of you've you've gone through this since 2008 and now 2022 you've you've qualified yeah I suppose personally I, I wouldn't change my journey or my path through this at all um but yeah did do you think maybe or hope that it would have happened earlier of course and I suppose you'd potentially think that the process of of qualifying for Euros is 
slightly more realistic again as we've seen qualifying for a world cup can be um you can still be the second best team in your group and even have great results against the top team but if if other results don't go your way in other groups it's it's really really difficult so it felt so still so far away like when we maybe didn't qualify for the euros um that obviously took place then then last year i felt like that was our it was our it was our big chance and one of our best chances um and i think yeah just kind of being in that position for us for kind of one of the first times as as that group was very very difficult um but from you know the growth from that campaign um you know losing to the ukraine i i again just wouldn't change it because kind of took this fear out of my football because i was like well i feel like that's in terms of in uh sporting terms that was kind near rock bottom um in terms of losses mm-hmm. in terms of a kind of dream being crushed um you know it was you know probably one of the worst feelings i've i've had on a football pitch ever um so yeah so to kind of how we pushed on from that is uh yeah it's made the group even tighter when we were already a great a great group a great unit um yeah it's it's just made us better so yeah for me personally i i wouldn't i wouldn't change a thing I guess that like resilience, it's it's not something you can learn. Like it's not a, a skill you can learn on a football pitch. You kind of have to go through the tougher times to build that resilience. And I guess it's all those little pieces of a puzzle that get you to where you are. And I wonder if, you know, having not qualified for the Euros, COVID kind of put all those qualification tournaments then back to back and you had no choice but to just get back on the road to qualification again. Did it, it almost, obviously it was a very low point but you had to like get back on it on the on the bike again, if you like, and and get onto the road to qualification. You didn't have a longer period to kind of dwell. Yeah, in- international football can be you know a really strange one. Obviously, you're with your club, and each week you can keep trying to improve it and and make things better, and you know bring you closer and bring you closer together, and you know and also kind of review these games and you know go back over them. But yeah, as soon as you know, we we finished that Ukraine game. Um, yeah, the next morning we were all on separate flights back to where we, back to our clubs. You know, you almost didn't, you almost didn't have time to process it kind of together as a group, because international it just moves so fast, and you've within you know having the one of you know kind of the toughest moments in my football career within a day and a half I was back with my club and I just had to you kind of just have to get on with it um and and just keep and keep going and keep rolling and know that yeah you you may have to wait another few months but you'll be back together and and then this is where we kind of rebuild and and go again and and I think even just yeah that time just gave people you know time to process it and kind of you know get rid of it personally I I didn't watch the game back I just I just couldn't but also for me it was I like I just felt like I I didn't need to it it was at times just bad luck and kind of nerves that kind of took over it wasn't for me it just wasn't necessarily something that I had to I had to relive I knew how painful it was and in my head I knew how I had to improve to make sure that 
yeah, I was still my best because I think going into that game, I was incredibly nervous and didn't really know how to control it. So for me, I was just like, if I control that, I can then put forward, you know, better performances um, for Ireland. To go, it's amazing. It makes it all the more impressive when a team can go from such a low point to then kind of qualifying for the next major tournament. It really is like putting demons to bed um, really quickly. Um, but like, you know, you talk about your journey in football um, and how you wouldn't change it. Um, but, you know, when you look at what you guys did back in 2017, you were part of the group of players who secured better working conditions for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and just as a reminder to listeners, you, you said you had to share tracksuits at junior teams. You were you're switching tracksuits in airport toilets. Um, and then you look at you look at where you are now in just less than six years. Like talk us through what was going on at that time. And what your feelings were generally being in the squad, just to kind of give us a contrast of where you are now. Yeah, I think I think one thing um, that hasn't changed is just the is is the group and the environment that we have. Um, you know, for me, it's something that's always been really, really strong. Um, you know, and to say that, yeah, potentially it, it has only got stronger because I think we have that extra confidence. But for us to kind of be able to step forward, you know, and it's especially the likes of Emma Byrne always, you know, she was she put her neck on the line for us. Um, again, Anya O'Gorman, who, who's still in the squad, still going. Again, she was, you know, a massive um, representative for us to... You know to go for, to go forward with this and and link in with the with the PFAI, so it was. That's, I would say that's one thing that hasn't changed. That sort of togetherness, unity, the crack. You know everything. It's always people love coming away for camp. You know it's it's rare when, you know, you you don't want to go away because you know you know maybe sometimes if the football isn't going your way, that we're going to, you know, just enjoy playing our football, enjoy spending that time together, enjoy creating friendships and, and memories, but also, you know, doing it and, and representing your country to always wear that jersey. Um, but yeah, at, at that stage, it was, yeah, there just were not the right resources. There was not the support. We felt like at that stage that the association didn't have, um, you know, that that belief or that confidence that we could kind of go on and actually challenge and and compete and just how important it was to to grow um football in Ireland and and that's even you know giving and that's starting from grassroots as well so where young girls and boys can just see that actually yeah football soccer is for everyone um you know and especially when you're representing your country you just want that kind of equality in terms of resources facilities and just being given the best chance that you can be um for for your country um you know and the resources were there it was all there but you know we weren't we weren't allowed to touch it that sort of thing it just it just wasn't good enough for for players to you know literally almost have to to pay to play for their country and you know especially the girls in Ireland having either going to university or having jobs at home they used to have to you know constantly ask for time off constantly take their holidays so you know 
unpaid holidays to come away and, and represent their country. It just it just wasn't right. And that's how we've lost, you know, so many players through the process. I think we've lost so much talent because some of these things have just taken over because people have to pay their bills and live their life um, and have that sort of stability. Um, and unless you were, you know, potentially abroad, that was, you know, really, really difficult. And still, still even at that, if you were, if you were still abroad, that wasn't a, it wasn't a guarantee. You know, we were absolutely petrified, but we had no doubt kind of in our minds what, what we had to do. Yeah, I mean, you look at that 2017 and then six, just six short years later, you're going to be in Australia, New Zealand in your first ever major tournament at a World Cup, which is pretty incredible. Um, hopes in the summer. What are you, what's the, what's the, I mean, you know, the ultimate goal, I'm sure, is, is getting out of the group. But like, mm-hmm. what are you kind of expecting? How much are you looking forward to it? Can you believe you're opening against the hosts? Like, it's just a dream, I imagine. Yeah, it's uh it's up there with one of the kind of ideal scenarios, um, you know, that you can, that you can have for your first tournament, first game to be able to play one of the hosts, you know, so it was, I was, I was really, really hoping that we would get Australia or New Zealand because yeah, to play the host in the first game, um, with, you know, what's guaranteed to be a packed stadium, um, is, is the dream and 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 obviously then there was the rumors that they were going to switch to a, a larger stadium which again has happened and and for us I think as well as yes yeah, as, as Irish people there are um there are plenty over there in Australia um you know I've even had one of my friends from from uh, from college message me today just to say that she's she's finally gotten her her tickets to the to the Australia game so again I've just you know it's it's constant um you know, the amount of messages that I guess, you know, either people, if I can get them tickets or that they've got their tickets or, um, you know, so for us, the, the support, it will be, it will be, it will be huge for us. Um, you know, it's going to create an, one of the best atmospheres, um, that you can, that you can kind of wish for. Um, and yeah, and, and our expectation is to, is to get points on the board, is to compete, is to you know to play our game for straight teams, um, you know, but we feel like we we do have a threat everywhere, um, you know, we we constantly want to improve and you know we're we're building on that and you know tweaking a few little things, but we know that we have a really solid foundation and um, you know, and we've proven it against top seeded teams as well that we can that we can make games really really difficult. Well, I will be down there um, as well, following every step of the journey um, and bringing it to our listeners. So here's hoping that the preparations go well and that that destiny and that look at the Irish follows you down under as well. Because, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure a lot of us, not just Irish fans, I think a lot of people will be rooting for the team. Yeah, yeah, we hope so. And yeah, that's we just want to make everyone proud as well. I think that's that's the most important thing um, and just do our country proud. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this um, St. Patrick's Day special, um, full of Irishness. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely speak to you again soon. Slán. Slán. Thanks, Rach. Upfront is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.